Two humorous nurses would like to acknowledge the true custodians of the land in which we record our podcast, the Yorta Yorta people. We pay our respects to Elders past and present and extend our respects to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders listening today. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Two humorous nurses with Kelly and Alicia. The podcast that lives vicariously through its guests. Welcome to Two Humorous Nurses, where we plan to bring you funny, informal, conversational chat about all things nursing. This episode, our guest is an ICU clinical nurse specialist and has created a Spotify playlist for compressions called You Can't Hurry Rosk. Ah, that is the made me laugh thing I've ever so heard. hard. <laughs> Do you know, then I started She's... singing that song, You Can't Hurry Rosk. No, you just have to wait. <laughs> you probably should hurry it though. But anyway, um, she's a, lo- a lover of yoga, cats and cocktails and has a way with words that we all strive for. Welcome, Georgie. Hi, thank you. So- <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to sit down and chat with you. I've been listening to your podcast in the lead up to recording with you and I honestly feel like I'm just sat around a table with mates like you guys are in the cook- kitchen with me cooking and doing my laundry. Yeah. It's such a pleasure. So I'm so excited to be able to be here. <laughs> oh, I love that. It's so nice having you. Um, we first, I guess, found out about you, I suppose, at the Victorian Nurses Lunch and we're like, who is this fabulous bitch? We need her on yeah. our <laughs> And you, you just that spoke so well. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and you, yeah, you just spoke so beautifully, and um, I think we must have talked about you half the way home, like just saying how wonderful yeah. it was. But then Kelly obviously went and stalked your Instagram, uh, yeah, <laughs> all the way back to 2019, and um, saw that you went to India for a month to teach yoga. Like, I'm so I've been doing yoga for five years, and I still can't touch my toes. So I don't, I don't, maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe we have to have like a one-on-one or something. (laughs) Before we pick your brain about nursing, can you tell us how you got involved in that? Yeah. So um, I've been to India twice actually for yoga. I, in the first time I went was 2018 and then I went the following year in 2019. So I went to um, go to like a yoga school to learn how to become a yoga teacher. Um, It's two two friends of mine that I would say are mentors and they run a yoga school. They're a Melbourne-based company and they take you to India to learn how to be a yoga teacher. And so, yeah, I went in 2018 and I spent six weeks um, studying yoga and doing some travel. And then at the end of my teacher training, they invited me back the next year to go and facilitate like the next year's training. Um, That sounds so fun. Yeah, it was so amazing. India holds such a special place in my heart. Um, It's a place that like I've done a bit of travel and that's one place that I know I will always go back to. Like it's never a place that I'm like, I've done India (laughs) and like what's next? It's um, yeah. It was great. my grandmother. She did a lot of travel, and she went to India with a couple of her friends, um, like on this senior citizens tour thing. <laughs> it's like Kentucky, but for older people. <laughs> and um, she said when she came home that it was really a life changing experience for her, even as like an older person. She said that it was 
a place that was full of surprises and she loved every minute of it and would have loved to have been able to do it without the constraints of the tour with her yeah she just she she said to me if you go anywhere you need to go to India and I've never been obviously so yeah (laughs) it's my dream to be a yoga teacher right like I've always thought how amazing would it be and I always thought I'd do like yoga for the unflexible people like I really want everyone to be welcome at my (laughs) yoga studio where like we have six roles and we can't point our toes and like I feel like we just make that the norm like I love that. Where, and like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I think a lot of people think yoga is for, you know, the people that are fit and, you know, already flexible. But <laughs> ideally, you know, you go to yoga to, to learn how to become flexible amidst many other things. You know, like healthy people don't go to hospital and become unhealthy and then are like, hey, I need no. your care. They come when they're <laughs> you know, already, like, you go to the service. Um, just as yourself and you you get out of it what you need so I will say the first time I ever did downward dog and the instructor's going okay just relax into it I'm like there is no fucking part of this that's relaxing (laughs) and now and now I can do down dog for like five minutes and I just love it it's like the best feeling in the world even though my knees are still bent oh they Um, tell you it's like like safe pose it's like that's your resting pose and you're like this is not a resting pose a big fan of yoga but anyway yeah. the, the real reason we're here <laughs> talk us through your nursing <laughs> journey up until working in ICU please oh okay all right so um I studied at university, obviously. Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I was born. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't train in the hospital. No. um, (laughs) I did did a double degree. I did a Bachelor of Nursing and a Bachelor of Emergency Health. So um, four years of study. And when I graduated, I graduated as both a nurse and a paramedic. Um, Oh, cool. Yeah, I've never used the paramedic side in terms of employment. So I've never been employed and worked as a paramedic, but um, it's definitely informed my practice. And, you know, it was, a, it was a huge role, especially when I was a grad and like a more junior nurse. It really informed a lot of um, the start of my career. So I still like to think that I've used it um, aside from actually being an AMBO, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I did my grad year as a nurse. I worked in like a major tertiary hospital in Melbourne City. Um, I what year on was a that? Trauma. Uh, ooh, Jesus. Um, twenty sixteen. So yeah. this yep. will be my seventh year as a nurse this year. But yeah, I did my grad year. I worked on a trauma and plastics ward and a respiratory gen med ward. I was there for a couple of years and then decided that I hate living in the city, so I left (laughs) (laughs) and I moved back home to where I grew up, which is by the beach down on the Mornington Peninsula and I got a job at like the local, it's like a medium-sized metro hospital down my way Mm -hmm. Um, and I worked on renal and respiratory ward for a few years before I made the transition to ICU. How did you find the transition uh, into ICU like did you do any extra training not extra training so to speak but I think like every I've always known that I wanted to get into ICU like get my foot in the door and I guess like deep down I've always known that I wanted to like go back to uni and study and specialize and so 
I think I've always just pushed and excelled myself to get my hands on and do as much as I can to, I guess, collect skills um, and knowledge along the way that will just be boosters like on my resume or like feathers in my hat yeah. so just <laughs> to, to get me to where I wanted to be. Um, the actual, the actual literal like transition into ICU is like, was a really funny, like coincidental story. I don't know if you guys believe in like manifesting or like. hundred percent. Yeah, we definitely do. I'm surrounded by Oracle cards and Sage and. It's amazing. No, but like, so when I, when I decided I wanted to go to ICU, I literally just started sending like the manager, my resume. And I was like, Hey, I want to work with you. Like, let me in. And they were like, Oh, we're not hiring. Thank you. And And I sent them my resume again. And I was like, Hey, I want to work in ICU. Like, please hire me. And they were like, we're still not hiring. um, Thanks. And I, um, I started to like ask people that I knew already worked there. I spoke to, yeah, a few contacts that I knew were already there and a few of the liaison nurses that roam the hospitals and go to met calls and stuff. And I was like, can you drop my name? You know, can you speak you know, about me? <laughs> um, which is really rare for me because I never usually like involve other people in my plans. I'm usually very like private and very like, I'll keep this to myself until I've actually achieved it. But I'd, I I'd just started asking people, I was like, you know, throw my hat, my name in the hat or whatever it is. Um, and then one day I picked up just a random extra shift on my respiratory renal ward um, and I happened to just walk past one of the liaison nurses and they were like, oh, why didn't you apply for the postgraduate position in ICU? And I was like, oh, I didn't think I could apply for that because I'm not an ICU nurse. I didn't think they took like external applicants. And she was like, oh, well, we were all surprised we didn't see your name there. And um, <laughs> it turns out it was a big misunderstanding. I didn't think that I could apply if I wasn't already in ICU. Yeah. And so um, we made some phone calls and they decided to accept my like application a little bit late. They were like, oh, like applications are closing, but if you get it to us tomorrow, we'll consider it. Wow. And then they offered me an interview and then I was successful and they gave me the place. So I got into ICU anyway. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Not just as like a regular nurse, but under the pretense of going to university and becoming like a postgraduate student. Um, but yeah, it was like, if I hadn't have picked up that shift, if I hadn't have walked past the liaison, Imagine, I think yeah. if I hadn't have involved other people and like all of that, like, yeah, yeah. I think the opportunity would have been missed like by a year, um, yeah. you know, short of me, yeah, not picking up that that one random little shift on on my respiratory ward. So, well, yeah, it's definitely like I'm meant to be there, which is very exciting for me. Absolutely. To think if you're mm. anything like, <laughs> I don't know, I feel like this might just be a country thing, but it's like it's who you know. Like, if you want a job somewhere and you know someone in the know, like that's how you'll get it. Like, yeah, often it is on your, based on your credentials, but also like it will be a oh, what do you think of that Georgie? Do you know that Georgie? How do you think she'd fit in here with the team? Like, it's a lot of that, and um, like yeah, it's based on your skills, but then also like how, you know if people know you and they know that you're a good person and that you're good value or whatever, then you're way more likely yeah. to get in. Exactly. And interestingly, like <laughs> the impression I got when I first moved to ICU then was that like my reputation preceded me because when I got there, <laughs> people were like, oh, you're the yoga girl. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember one time I was really stressed. I literally said to the ANAM, I was like, I'm feeling really overwhelmed and stressed. And she was like, aren't you meant to be really calm? <laughs> 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 and 
I was like, no, I do yoga because I'm not calm. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I just walk in to see you doing, buddy, some downward dog pose next to the bed. You're like, I'm trying to get calm. Can I tell you something? I'm all my patients like ripping out their ET tube. Yeah. <laughs> Right, yeah, this is nah. a um, too much information yeah. warning, but I feel like it's relevant, so I'm going to share it. When I work nights, I get really bad, like, wind pain for some reason, and I have to go, like, into a spare room and go into, like, down dog and get all the get it all flowing. <laughs> and no joke, like, the staff that I work with, they'll be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I've just got a bit of wind pain. Righto. And then now they all know that I've just gone off to do a bit of yoga to get the... <laughs> Get the wind away. Oh my god. Yep. What's that? I'm I'm like so adverse. Put do you put your hands on the floor? Oh, I was thinking that same thing. That's disgusting. (laughs) I don't care. I just wash my hands after it. (laughs) It's like floor is lava, but for the hands. I do not want to like when patients bring their kids in and their kids are like crawling all over the floor. I'm like, mate, that's carpeted and I know what's been on that. It's not like it's like would when you eat off it, Alicia? No, I wouldn't because you know it's like when you're in the tea room at work and you drop your food on the floor and then you're like, Well, there mm. goes that. Like, I ain't eating that. Nah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, where everyone's shoes and feet. People need to like wear um, those blue booties in the staff room, that'd be far more hygienic. It would be. But you still, no, nah, I don't reckon. You're still walking it over everything. Yeah. No, no, no. You I get a bit on as you go into the staff room. Uh, yeah, but I wouldn't if I was just ducking in there. So you still have those people. <laughs> so the reason you we got you on the podcast isn't really to talk about ICU, surprisingly, but to talk about your love of language in nursing at the nurses luncheon that we went to that is what captured our attention was the way you spoke about the use of language in nursing and it got us thinking that what that means and how that should be incorporated more into our daily nursing lives absolutely yeah it's um it's something that I think like I've always been interested in or it's something that's always captured my attention but um, only more recently as I've taken on sort of more senior roles within um, where I work that it's become more and more apparent because you're communicating with so many more people about so many more things I guess. Mm. Um, But yeah I mean it's nothing that I'm an expert in I think I just have like a keen interest for it. Um, I think it stems from me like I'm a very literal person like I can be quite black and white um, in a lot of circumstances. And Isn't that just ICU I guess, nurses in general? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I, know, I always say ICU is a great place for like my OCD to hide like it just it's yes. passed off as normal which is great. <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, yeah and like I know like like I've always noticed that I can sometimes struggle to understand what people are saying unless they're being very like explicit and very um, specific about what they're saying. Um, and so like when I reflect on conversations that I've had or, you know, situations I've been in, like that has always played on my mind. And I'm also very like just reflective in general. And so I'll play over conversations or situations and, you know, think about, you know, how it made me feel and what I said and how I could have said it better or how I made this person feel um, 
all of those things. And then like layer on top, I'm just like an anxious overthinker at the best of times. <laughs> <laughs> all of that, like I've thought about all the possible outcomes three months ago. <laughs> you know? oh, <laughs> I seriously, I feel like you are saying everything that I feel like I'm constantly reflecting on situations and conversations and, um, you know, thinking about like how could I have worded that to to you know achieve my goal and things like that like I literally I feel everything you are saying right now yeah exactly but um and so like just me in those situations and me thinking about it myself and being like oh I wish that person spoke to me differently or like if they'd have said this I think I would have responded different or Mm -hmm. better or like that you know and I often think especially like in healthcare like the stakes are really high um you know Mm. there's lives on our hands or at risk Um, And there's also, you know, in terms of medicine and and the industry that we work in, there's a lot of intellect and potentially also a lot of ego flying around. And so the way that we communicate with each other, you know, even if we're trying to achieve the same thing and we're both, you know, trying to head in the same direction, we can come from very different, um, I don't know if agenda is the right word, or very different approaches or pathways, um, but you might not see eye to eye, you know, but you're both trying to achieve the same thing. So mm-hmm. I think about that a lot. And then I think about how I can represent myself and, and be like the better leader, um, to show it to other people. Um, so within me and the way that I interact with people and then encourage them in their practice as well, um, is sort of where that's all stemmed from. I love that, you know, training on, it was called crucial conversations. I don't know if you've ever heard mm. of it. Um, and it was like, you know, when the stakes are high and, and how to have those important or difficult conversations. But sometimes I think, you know, there's there's a way of being conscious about what you say for sure. But then when you've been given like an algorithm or when you've been given, um, I guess, a template of what to say, sometimes those conversations can feel really, um, what's the word, like synthetic, like they don't, they don't they seem to be kind of mechanical rather than like coming from um, a good place of emotion. Like sometimes then you're having a conversation with that person who might be like giving you the script from the crucial conversations training and you're like, I know what you're trying to do to me. Like I know that you're trying to have a crucial conversation with me. Like and sometimes it has the opposite effect because you start getting defensive. I think, um, you know, thinking about that, you know, knowing that you're coming from two different places, I think that's so important, achieving the same goal ultimately. And even within that, like just trying to understand um, like the intricacies, yeah, of of language and, you know, the way you might just like share education with a colleague or you're just talking in general to your patient or communicating with a family member um, or disagreeing and advocating with, you know, a senior medical staff, all those things, like it's all the way you communicate and use language and it has the power to influence the outcome of what you're trying to achieve and the way you deliver it can, you know, really take you on multiple different trajectories, I guess, in mm. the way you try, like choose to use whatever words and the way you deliver it, um, you know, all of those things. And, yeah, at, at risk of sounding disingenuine by using like a sort of a structured approach from like a, this course that you've done, like I think that can that can empower you with great language and, and sort of words to use, but mm. yeah, you'd never want to come across like as if you're reading from a script because yeah, exactly. that just doesn't work in our industry, does it? We know every every interaction is very unique. And people aren't stupid. They can tell when you're trying to have a crucial yeah. conversation. <laughs> like, um, in summary, people aren't stupid. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
even if you think they are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think as um as a like a leader and a manager, I know you know I've had to step into um the management role especially this year and I've not had to manage staff that I didn't know or I hadn't worked with and I'm just stepping into this role now with a new team in the next month or so and I'm really conscious about the way that I am going to train them in the unit and you know the way I talk about learning like I was talking to a new grad that we had in and she's only done aged care placement and district nursing she hasn't done acute care yet so coming into oncology is is going to be as acute as she's as she's gotten to yet and at the end of the day she looked at me and she just said can I ask what your expectation is um of when I might achieve all these things that you said that I'll do in here and I was like oh how long are you here for and she's like for three months and I was like oh just sometime over then and she's like, oh, I got the feeling you wanted me to cannulate four people by the end of next week. And I was like, oh, my God, no. But obviously the way I was explaining it to her was that like you've got, we'll have all these patients, you can cannulate them. And she's like literally never stuck a cannula anywhere near a person. She's probably never picked one up. Aww. And she <laughs> had obviously stewed over it for the day and then had just said, yeah. And I just thought, oh, I did not communicate like the fact that, <laughs> it was going to take time and we will teach you and it's not I do not expect you to jump in on day one and and stick a needle in somebody's arm so I thought oh (laughs) that just really hit it home to me yeah I know I was like just telling her all the magical things she could do in oncology she's sitting there thinking holy shit like next week I'm gonna cannulate 10 people and put ports in and I'm like oh it's all right how how good that she was able to like come back to you yeah I like what, you know, if, if that's what, she, like, in terms of saying, can I ask what your expectations are? Like, what a great way yeah. of her either ignoring it completely and going home and being like, oh, my God, I have to cannulate four Terrified. people next week. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> like, she's almost like seeking a summary or clarification and confirming it with you to be just like, okay, so just so we're clear, here's the plan. And you're like, oh, yeah, duh. Like, but yeah. without <laughs> realizing. Let's run through a couple of scenarios and we'll have a chat about like maybe the best way to try and communicate them. I'm feeling like the people that listen to us have either been in similar situations. I mean, someone even put on their stories today about, um, you know, how to not get upset when someone tells you basically just to bugger off in a situation where you've asked to stay (laughs) and I was like oh you poor love please don't take that personally it's clearly just a shit nurse or a shit day for that nurse like um so probably like the first one if like your frustrations on a shift with a patient or or even a colleague or a manager like how do we how can we handle those like frustrating conversations to have with people I have them every day with my daughter (laughs) and I don't know what to do (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> See, like your daughter is not your colleague, so there's an extra complexity there, which makes yeah. me, I do not envy you. <laughs> treat her like treat her like a little um a little minion, like treat her like one of your staff. Mate, if one I of my staff spoke to me like she did, <laughs> they'd be yeah. sacked and out of here. <laughs> you can't ground your staff, can you? So <laughs> <laughs> take their iPads away. <laughs> I would take away your computer on wheels and you yeah. know, Put on paper. <laughs> yeah. Pick that pen up. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, obviously I'm no expert and all of this just comes from my own 
experience in like sort of like and I, I'm always testing things out as well and that's where sort of a lot of my reflection comes from as well being like hmm I didn't feel good after that interaction or like I don't feel good about this or that went really well um, but I'm always just trying things out on myself and other people it's like a, a live experiment don't know about the ethics <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um what I think is really important um, in all all sort of conversations like that um, in general is just to like to name what's going on first. So if it was like frustration or conflict to sort of recognise um, and literally just to, to, to be very upfront um, and very honest and, yeah, so to, to label it or name it um, so it's very clear what you're talking about. There's no like um, beating around the bush where there can be confusion, um, mm. which is really good for my brain because if you're not being explicit, I don't understand what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if there was, yeah, if I was frustrated, especially with a colleague yeah, or a patient or something, you know, I would, I'd say something along the lines of like, you know, this seems really important to the both of us, but perhaps we're not seeing eye to eye. And then I would always try and seek clarification. I'd say, like, can you explain this in a different way so that I can better understand where you're coming from and then I'll do the same. And so I'm setting an expectation that they will um, try and rephrase what they're trying to get across, but then they'll also listen to me and, like, you know, give me the space to talk about what I want to talk about too. And then I would try and summarise what they have said. So I'd sort of, I guess, repeat or mirror back to them um, what I've understood Um you know, and if you're still not seeing eye to eye, um, then, you know, I would sort of, I'd almost want to, I'd, I'd sort of, I guess I'd confirm and I'd be like, like, I can hear what you're saying. Like, it still seems like we're not heading in the right direction. Like, mm. how about we get another opinion on this? How about I call in um, this person or like, I'm going to call on this person to to give us some advice. Um, I think a third party is really important, especially if it's like conflict or potential conflict with anybody um, to have another person there to almost be like a neutralizer or a mediator um, for both parties can be really mm. important. Too. Unless it's your mate and then they'll be like, Oops. nah, bitch, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they're in like, like, that's such a complexity as well. You know, like you're in a, you were in a professional situation and, and sure, like we form such great bonds and we've got mm. our work lives and our friends and all of that. But like, imagine if it was your friend that you had to call out because you feel like they're not pulling their weight or, or something like that. Like I do that to Kelly all yeah, the time. <laughs> it's funny when I stepped into like an after hours manager role on Facebook I unfriended quite a few people that I didn't like work colleagues that I didn't actually socialize with outside of work or who I didn't deem to be my friend that we were just friends on Facebook because of work because I felt like I'd stepped into a management role and therefore I needed to maintain some kind of because no matter how close I am to my manager I'm never going to add them on Facebook yeah. So I felt like I needed to create those boundaries in for those work <laughs> friendships. And in the country like where I work, all my friends outside of work are my work colleagues. I mean, I don't mm. work with any of them now because I'm in oncology, but, you know, that's how it starts. And so then it does get a bit tricky when you're their manager on the ward as well because people are like, oh, you're favouring them or whatever. And you're like, well, I'm not. They're just not shit nurses. So, like, <laughs> step your game up. But obviously that's not how you handle that situation either. So. <laughs> While we're on the topic of boundaries with um, work colleagues and patients, Georgie, can you help us um, navigate the conversations around those? 
I think, again, I would be really explicit in naming it. Um, like to, to say something to someone's face, yeah, it, it can be really powerful. It can be really uncomfortable um, mm. and especially if people aren't used to being challenged or literally just to have the truth spoken to them in that sense. Um, so, again, I'd, I'd name it. Um, I love the use of silence. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't just be like, boundaries and then be silent. <laughs> like the use of silence. <laughs> silence is also so important um, in terms of like, so yeah, I would explain like list what's happened or describe the situation that's happened and, you know, what's resulted from it, you know, similar to like acknowledging, you know, that this was really good, so well done or, you know, I didn't like this, you know, I would sort of, yeah, label what's gone on explain how it makes me feel or, you know, how it affects me. Um, and then again, communicate my desires, like, you know, this is what I would prefer. And then I would confirm that they can, that they've understood, um, sort of reestablish what I've tried to say. Um, <laughs> and then I would probably just be silent. Um, and, you know, <laughs> same with interview techniques, you know, when you interview and they are mm. quiet, and you just keep talking shit. Like, <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, it's, it's until they stop writing. Yeah, it's a really powerful way to um to sort of let them like understand like where you've where you've come from. I guess. Do you know when I was mm. pregnant, like towards the end of your like when I don't know if if you've ever been pregnant, but when when you get pregnant, everybody thinks that they have this right to tell you about your appearance. Like people <gasps> just feel compelled to tell you that you either look big, small, carrying high, low, you look pale, you look tired, you look, you know, you look fucked basically, that pregnancy's <laughs> fucked you. Um, and towards the end of my pregnancy, someone came up to me and she was like, oh, how far along are you now? And I said, oh, yeah, you know, 35 weeks or whatever. And she went, 35, Jesus, you look like you could pop tomorrow. It's going to be a big baby. And I just looked at her and I just blinked. Like I said nothing. And she could yep. not believe that I didn't say anything back. I just stood there and looked at her. And I'm like, it's, and I think in the end, she just kind of walked away because she got so uncomfortable that I hadn't responded. And I'm like, <laughs> and then another person actually like said a similar thing to me, like I had back pain. And she was like, well, it's only going to get worse. And I just looked at her and I thought, if I don't say anything, what's she going to do? And then she was like, sorry to say it, but it will. And I just said, I was like, how do you think that makes me feel when you say that? And I was like, by the end of my pregnancy, I was fucking done with people criticizing the way I looked and like, and you know, telling <laughs> they give you all the bad advice, like they give you all the shit that you don't want to hear. And in the end, I was like, I was done. I was either just giving people absolute hell for what they just said to me, or I would say nothing. <laughs> and it was really interesting. Yeah. I love what you said about live I experiment because you're like, if I do nothing, what are they going to do? Like, how are they going to react if I say I nothing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'll they'll usually they'll try and like joke or laugh their way out of it or like make an excuse or like sort of fumble. Yeah. Yeah. You just look at them. Like you don't yeah, you don't have to be like rude and tapping your foot or whatever, but if you just look at them and like almost as if you just expect <laughs> them to keep going and you know, eventually they'll be like, Oh, oh and you know, and then that's where I jump in and I'd be like, you know, so for example, like my surname gets laughed at a lot um in healthcare. Mm -hmm. Um in I think I think in the UK it means like disgusting or like feral yeah um so I love that for me oh, like, you, <laughs> I use the word 
manky all the time about yep. a wound and I never put that I to your name. Either, yeah, no. well, I'm glad. Never put, well, now <laughs> I will. Like the manky. of everything that's disgusting. Like, <laughs> you're fabulous. Yeah, but it gets, yeah. It, gets <laughs> that's it gets laughed at a lot. Um, and oh. so if I was to use that as like an example, you know, um, in terms of setting boundaries, like I would sort of turn to someone and I'd be like, hey, you know, like when you laugh at my surname every time I have to like sign my signature, it makes me feel really uncomfortable and upset. So I've labelled what they're doing and the way it makes me feel. Mm-hmm. And then I would say like I'd like it to stop um, and then they would probably like make an excuse or laugh or like try and back away as, as I'm staring. <laughs> and then, you know, I would say I'd sort of reiterate and I'd be like, okay, so like no more joking about my surname, okay? Like is that clear? And then, you know, I'd be quiet again and I'd sort of just watch them. Like, I love that. Yeah, I think that, do you know, yeah, does that make sense to sort of label it um, to yeah, say how it makes yeah. what your preferences are, give them space to sort of respond. <laughs> And then, like, reaffirm. And, and I feel like mm-hmm. you establish yourself mm-hmm. as someone in that way who's, like, don't fuck with me. Then people won't fuck with you. <laughs> like, I feel like. Yeah, you would have you scared. scared the shit out of those yeah. people, Alicia, <laughs> that you just stared at and not said anything. Because Alicia doesn't not say anything. <laughs> so if she just stares at you and says nothing, I would have shit my pants and walked away Ooh. and been like, I am in so much trouble. Because Alicia will, like like she's verbal so I have to say one more thing when you talk about language and like and it being a live a live like experiment when I was a grad I realized that the nursing charges do the allocations in the morning in theater right and they put you in the theater that like they they choose the teams and put you in whichever theater that that they want to put you in basically and the people they didn't like, they didn't give a fuck about. So they would just put them wherever. So I decided I was going to start giving them all compliments. So when I'd come in in the morning, I'd be like, oh, Jen, your hair looks so good today. Oh, have you have, have you done something? Oh, your skin looks so good. Blah, blah, blah. And literally I started getting the best fucking allocations. I was like in ortho. I was like in, you know, doing big surgeries and like get working with the best anesthetic teams. And I'm like, people are fucking dumb. Sorry, we said before that people aren't that stupid, but some of them are because I didn't like any of them. And I was like, if I walk in and give you one compliment, you think I'm your best friend and you're going to give me good allocations. So, done. It's like when I call a doctor. I'm always like, yeah, you've got to, you catch more flies with honey. And that saying is so true. Like I will butter a doctor up to get what I want. And just be like, you're such a legend. Thank you so much. Knowing that I'm going to have to ring him in 30 minutes anyway, if you hadn't just done it in the first place. Yeah, but like, I won't do that I'll just anymore. be the nicest person. No, I know you won't. <laughs> and that's I'm why like, they do don't your like you. Job. <laughs> yeah. Do the bare minimum. Do your fucking job. <laughs> yes. Or like, you know, when you're suggesting something to like the medical team and you're like, oh, I really think my patient needs this. I think they need this. Like, can you come mm. and review? I think they need this. And you just get ignored. And then like, two hours later they turn around and they're like let's do this and you're like that was my fucking idea like, <laughs> so, wow <laughs> who would have thought I always yeah. like try and flip it around and I try and put the idea in their mind and I'm like mm. how can I phrase this to make them think like it's their idea and yes. then <laughs> that is exactly yeah. right and that's the same as us there's one doctor yeah. who will never ever do it if it's a nurse's suggestion but if you write like you may not write the diagnosis or what you think should happen. You just tell them all of your findings and then he'll do exactly what you want him to do anyway. Yeah. Nurses, we're smart. Let's 
fling it around from like the negative talk and talk about how we sh- we can acknowledge people who do good work because as managers like I remember someone telling me once you need to stop telling people that they're doing things bad and catch them when they're doing things good mm-hmm. and reinforce that because positive reinforcement as we know yeah. makes the world a better place so how can we do that in a way that's not like oh so- thanks everyone for today this was great when really like just get the fuck out of here you know it's not sincere like you want to be sincere in these acknowledgements I guess yeah it's those little moments and I agree with the positive reinforcement because when you're feeling if it's a negative situation or you're feeling under threat or you're under pressure or it's like an environment that's not conducive to you feeling good you're not going to learn like your walls are going to go up and it's like that that what you're trying to like get across is never going to happen so that positivity um and you know creating like an environment where you all boost each other up is really important but we don't do it that often do we we usually i think it, and in general i think people are more likely to complain or spread the negative word than they are to be like actually they did something really good today mm. um but Again, I think it's just like calling out those little situations. That to me, I think has a lot to do with standards. So calling out things like that you don't agree with that you don't like, like just again, naming it. Hey, when you do this, I don't like it. Like, let's not do that, please. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, But doing the same thing in the reverse, like, you know, when you did X, Y, Z today, it made me feel really supported. So I just wanted to say thank you or Mm. um you know, I saw the way that you did this for your patient and, you know, I can tell that the patient and the family are so thankful. So, you know, good job or not even to follow it up with like those positive words. (laughs) Well done. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. I remember I gave feedback to a doctor once and I was like, hey, you know, I watched and listened to the way that you mentored that junior doctor in inserting their first arterial line. Um, And I really liked the way that you were really supportive and encouraging and like you seemed really gentle and kind. Um, And I just wanted to recognize that. And they looked at me and they were like, but... And they were expecting, <laughs> they, they genuinely thought I was going to turn around and be like, but like, this was fucked and this was shit and da 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 da. Like, but it they, fell out they, straight away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <And> I, <laughs> I, I was like, no, no, but I was like, I just wanted to let you know. I think that was like, that was really nice to, to watch. And, you know, I just wanted you to know mm. that. And they were Doesn't like, I feel uncomfortable now. <laughs> yeah. 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 And they felt uncomfortable because I just gave yeah. them positive feedback without any like caveat like it it wasn't a shit sandwich I was just like that was really good but yeah yeah, the fact that they expected me to like follow it up with like something crappy was um yeah quite interesting to me I have a nurse that was um she was a grad last year and then this year she's been doing some oncology training and um she was in with the new grad last week the one that I terrified on the first day and then <laughs> on her second day half the patients cancelled so we we didn't have a lot on and it was a really good opportunity um for like Ella to teach her everything and and I she you know at one point she said to me because I'm busy doing paperwork so I just like left them to it and she's like oh we're just going to go down and get chest to chest so I can show her how to do a pick dressing and then when they brought it back she actually talked her through doing a pick dressing so the grad did the pic dressing on chest to chest and I was like listening to her and I was so proud because she was doing it the way I sh- I told her how to do it so I was like yes you're using all my terms and um and I just I said to her on the Thursday I was like it was really good that you used your initiative to go and get Chester and use that downtime to learn and teach 
the grad, like, you know, well done. And and that I'd actually had a phone call from a patient on the Wednesday who wanted to ring. He was 90-something and he wanted to ring and thank the two girls that, that did his, like, iron infusion because he's feeling so much better today and they were so good to me and I'm 90 and not everyone's nice to me. And and I was like, that's basically a grad and, a like, a second-year nurse who I'd left on their own to do it <laughs> and... Like I just emailed them straight away and was like, you just got the most amazing feedback and like well done basically. And I just, yeah, I thought it's so nice that when you teach people well, you know, that that flows on to the way they want to teach people. Now I didn't tell Ella that she had to teach the grad how to do anything, but Ella just used her initiative and, and got on and did it and I'm, very sad if if she's listening that she won't get a job with me so (laughs) (laughs) she doesn't want one I was like come back Ella (laughs) like what you said how you know you taught her how to do this dressing and then you listened and you heard her using similar phrases Mm. spoke the way you spoke and like again that's like such an important way in terms of language that you've empowered her with even just the right words as well as the practical skill but the words and like the sentences that she can use it makes sense to her and then she's using it for others if you'd have been like hey you just whack it on and slap it there and you know yeah it looks all right you know surprising because like- that's how I joke I am like just t- put the thingy on the thingy bob but clearly <laughs> yeah. I do use or either that or Sarah taught her how to do it I don't know <laughs> <laughs> Nurses are going through a really difficult time right now and we get that finding time to go to therapy while working. Shift work can be even harder. This is why we're sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp has customised online therapy that offers video, phone and live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. You can use BetterHelp at a time that suits you in a format that works for you and that fits in with your schedule. There's a huge range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapist network. So help is accessible to you no matter where you are. You just fill out the questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Then you can schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus you can exchange unlimited messages and everything you share is completely confidential. You can request a new therapist at no additional charge at any time. Join the 2 million people who've taken care of their mental health with BetterHelp. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash 2HN. That's betterhelp.com slash 2HN. That's the number 2HN. Georgie, I feel like we could all write about this. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I feel like before we um, wrap up, you have to tell us about the debrief project. Yeah, with the other George, G squared. The other G, I know. It's our little it's our little baby, our little child. It was very exciting. Um the debrief was an idea that came to me um last year, I think early last year. Um, and it stems a lot from like what we've just been discussing in terms of language and communication, um, conversation and how to have better conversations within our industry, um, to make people feel empowered and safe and um, you know, to to break down walls and, you know, all of those more subtle things that you don't necessarily learn in nursing school, but you learn through experience. Um, and so this idea sort of came to me um, and I've known Georgia through um, social media, through like fitness influencing <laughs> um, in the past. And so I messaged her, I've been watching her with her nurse Sibs 
And I messaged her and I was like, I've got an idea to pitch to you. And we met, I pitched her this idea. And like from the very first meeting, she was like, I'm 100% in, like, let's do this, um, full steam ahead. And so, yeah, we've created our little platform. Um, our, like we're, we are formally um, a partnership. So we are called By the Debrief, or we call it the Debrief for short. Um, and you can see us on Instagram, but it's so much more than like what we have let on thus far, I guess. Like at <laughs> yeah. the moment we're in that sort of cultivating phase of, um, generating like interaction and excitement and cultivating community. Um, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that we're so excited to be able to bring out. That's gonna, it's all like, I guess, within this realm of a lot of what we've been speaking about, um, through this, this recording, um, that yeah, I I think it's it's a gap that I've definitely noticed, um, and so yeah, we're really excited to fill it with what we've got planned. Well, now I'm excited for the big yeah. reveal. Can you tell <laughs> us when when are you gonna sort of uh, give us a bit more? I guess <laughs> or special teaser. <laughs> on the um, we're hoping by the end of the year, that's what we're working towards. We'll have to wait um, long. that, um, <laughs> yeah, things are coming, but we're, we've got multiple things happening at once. I guess we've got multiple plates spinning. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, it's not just one thing. Um, and it's most definitely not like just a cute, pretty educational Instagram. Um, yeah. that's like all you can see at the moment, but yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot more happening. Mm, and so exactly working down. Yeah. Definitely and speaking excited. of more happening, can you tell us what's in store for the future for Georgie Mankey? For me, in terms of my career or yeah. Yeah, anything? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, who knows? <laughs> in, in general. Life, I'm not sure. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Does anyone but, know, really? No, I honestly thought, you know, I'd have it all figured out by now, but I still don't know what I want to be, what I want to be when I grow up. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, there's so many things that I want to do and that's why that's why I've loved um, and stuck in nursing as opposed to working as a paramedic. I, I just, I can see and I know that there's so much more opportunity and breadth within nursing um, than what I could ever foresee for myself within um, working as a paramedic. But um, oh, there's so many things. I want to, I want to jump out of helicopters. I want to do... <laughs> rescue I want to be like a flight intensive care nurse where we transport patients from like interstate and overseas you know, like say someone has like a traumatic injury you know in Spain and they have to fly back like I want to be on the flight with them doing those kind of things That's cool. um I yeah I want to I want to move to like a major ICU at some point um I want to do travel nursing I want to become an educator. <laughs> so, <laughs> I feel like I feel like we have too much in common. Like like forever striving, like perpetually, uh, maybe not unsatisfied, but like always looking. I feel like I could live a hundred lifetimes and be happy. Like you know, yeah, doing something different every time. Yeah, and I'm sure like all of these things I've listed, I know that I'll achieve them at some stage. I'm not in like a rush, so to speak, but I can definitely see myself moving throughout all of those roles um, at some stage, whether it's when I'm like 70 and still nursing or, yeah. <laughs> or, or what. But um, yeah, this is just like the tip of the iceberg was me getting into ICU and starting um, my postgraduate studies um, and you know the world really is my oyster which makes me so excited so cool I feel like I'm surrounded by all these young nurses who have these big dreams 
and I, <laughs> I, I've missed that. I don't. I mean, I suppose I haven't missed that boat, but now I'm like married, middle aged, with a kid in a management role in a country hospital, and like, <laughs> you know, but your priorities change as you change, and and you never know. Like, if Amelia moves out one day, you might turn around and go, you know what, Cam? I've always wanted to try this. We're moving, and then that'd be it. Or, you know, you just don't know. I know. I suppose I, I, you know, I spent my twenties nursing all over Western Australia. Um, in the country and you know living my best single drunk 20s life and then I hit 30 and met Cam got married and that was it so um (laughs) but yeah I love that everyone has these big dreams and in nursing it's a reality to achieve them because you know nursing is just the most amazing profession that where you can be you know you can do whatever you want and climb as high as you want or stay as low as you want. And I don't mean that in any disrespect or anything. I just mean that if you don't, if you just want to nurse, you can just nurse. Yeah. And if you want to, you know, be a flight nurse on international, like, you know, retrieval operations, then, then you can go and do that. Like there's nothing stopping you and there's nothing stopping you from becoming the, you know, director of nursing at a big hospital or yeah. I mean, I don't know why you'd want to now that I'm in a management. <laughs> There's a lot of meetings, a lot of meetings. <laughs> Not much time for working, just a lot of no. time for meetings. The work oh, that needs to God. be done. Oh, the meetings. Like, anyway. Look what you're doing with your podcast, though. You know, you said that you, you know, you're in a management school, you're married, you've got a kid, but what you guys are doing with your podcast is amazing. And I, I was listening to one of your episodes recently. You guys are leveling up. You're growing. You're expanding. You're taking steps to move to the next level. So yeah. that's not something to be, I guess, ignored. It's You're doing great things. Yeah, Kelly's fucking booked me up for three nights this week to record. <laughs> one of them's for dinner, mate. You're busy. One of them's on a recording. <laughs> I forgot we're going out for dinner for Kelly's birthday. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we're not yeah um we've got some word association for you Georgie because we're starting that with our um guests now we thought it would be a bit of fun I just read the words and I'm like wow Uh, Alicia picks the words not me so (laughs) well anyway okay you ready (laughs) so do I just say the first thing that comes to my head yeah Yeah, the first first thing that comes into your head word association Oh, <laughs> okay, are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Green. Whistle. Gag. Ooh. Um, sputum. <laughs> Posterior. <laughs> um, it makes me think I'm glad the patient's not prone. <laughs> Mushroom. They're on their back. <laughs> Mushroom? What kind? <laughs> Hair. Hair? Yeah. Oh, you got to braid it, girl. Got to braid it. Finger. <laughs> um, don't laughing. put it in the patient's mouth. <laughs> Shock. Oh my god, press the right button. I want to turn the defib off instead of pressing stop. 
Oh my god. That's a teachable moment. This is, this is like you know that show Taxi Cab Confessions? This is like this is like nursing confessions. Oh, that's funny. Oh my god. Can you tell us about that, please? I have so many questions. <laughs> oh thank goodness it wasn't in a real situation. It was in oh. a mock code. Oh, oh god, still. The daggers. No, I um oh I got back to the breaks and the educators were like, "There's a code in bed one. Like, go and have a look." And I was like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna go and have a look." Um, and it took me so long to realize that it wasn't a real patient because like everyone was <laughs> treating it as a real code. Like the monitor was just playing, like you know, an arrest rhythm. There was all buttons in there. Someone was giving CPR, and I was like, what? and I walked in and they were like, "Georgie, we're so glad you're here. Can you be on the defib?" <laughs> <laughs> and I went through the algorithm, the coached algorithm, and then when it came to press shock, I just turned it off. <laughs> and like the, you could have heard a pin drop. <laughs> then, of course, I panicked. <laughs> and at what point did you realise it wasn't it was real? A- <laughs> I, it took me until I'd done like at least one round of coached until I was like, what the, this isn't real. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was pretty new to ICU. I think I'd only just studied my advanced life support. So I was like, what is going on? Is oh, that's so funny. In the early 2000s, we used to have to do um, like fire drills in the hospital. We also used to do bomb threat drills <laughs> until someone took it way too serious and like <laughs> it was not ideal. I'm pretty sure that person has PTSD, but anyway. And I walked into a room because it was like um, they would call it out over the PA, you know, like fire, you know, fire and whatever. And I walk into the room and (laughs) the nurses took it so seriously, the educators. That was so funny. They had drawings of flames like on the, so they had cardboard cut out of flames on the curtains and like the person in the bed. And then as I walked past the curtain, a nurse just went poof with a cloud of um, talcum powder. <laughs> She's like, not the talcum powder. <laughs> she, I'm like, <laughs> She's like, no, you fail. And I was like, what? She goes, you walk past the fire. And I was like, I was going to get that patient out. And she was like, no, nah, you fail. Next. Like, and I was just like, what the fuck was this? Like, <laughs> that is so funny you're like meanwhile having shit you can get away with in the like 20 years ago yeah i don't know no one knew talcum powder was carcinogenic back then oh my god i was gonna say that i was like lol (laughs) (laughs) copped a bloody lung full of it oh my god ah righto i suppose we should wound this up that's Wine the best pizza. story. I think that almost tops um, Benny's story about the guy who cut off his own hand. I Chopped think his mate- arm. <laughs> God. At oh. least it was just a, like a practice run code and not an actual yeah. code. That yeah. Really mm. Thank God. Oh, you can see it happening in a panic. Like oh, if you're yeah. like, oh, shit. Just yeah, flick it, you know, it, it makes that like that wind up noise, you know, and it's it's just like, oh, my God, and then it beeps and yeah, yeah. press shots and you're like, Okay. No. <laughs> at least I didn't shock someone. Like at least I didn't deliver yeah. shock. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Everyone's sitting on the bed. Yeah. You forget to say stand back. Yeah. All clear. Stand clear. Clear. Hands off. 
Uh, well, as podcasters, like we understand the power of words, even if I stumble over them all the time. Yeah. Um, thanks for the chat today, Georgie. It was like actually very funny. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> you know, how you we can find we Georgie. Didn't know how this was going to go? Yeah. I feel like it went to the perfect place. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You can find um, Georgie on Instagram at, at Georgie Mankey. Uh, and the links will be in the show notes. And if you could all use your words and write us a review for our podcast and rate us five stars, that'd be great. Uh, yeah. Give us a follow on Instagram. I'll give you a structure if you want. When I listen to the Two Humorous Nurse <laughs> podcast, it makes me feel empowered. <laughs> I really like it. You should listen to Is that clear? <laughs> <laughs> I really like it. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then silence. I feel like silence. Yeah. <laughs> and then mic drop. I feel like um, um, your adjectives <laughs> need a bit of work. Thanks, Georgie. I feel like fucking fabulous sort of featured in there. <laughs> um, I really yeah. like it. Yeah. Can you leave that review, please? <laughs> oh, keep an eye out. Come for you soon. <laughs> You can follow us on Instagram at Two Humorous Nurses Podcast or send us an email. We love reading everyone's stories. Um, our new email is hello at twohumorousnurses.com. That's humorous like the bone. H-U-M-E-R-U-S. Bye. 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 <laughs>